Hey, Bullers, you're listening to the first episode of Bull After Bull, a special election edition on Sunday, April 6, 2014. I'm smoking bowl after bowl. And I smoke. Bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl. And I smoke. Hey everybody, we're here talking with uh, Mark Flackney, founder of Keep Columbia Free. This is the first episode of Bowl After Bowl. I think it's appropriate because it's an election edition. Tuesday is the uh, Columbia special election, and there's three things on my ballot. Um, the The school board election, the school bond, and uh, first and fifth wards are both up. So First Ward is where I live. That's downtown or on campus if you live on campus. So, uh, Mark, uh, before we get into the election stuff, I kind of want to talk about your background with Keep Columbia Free and what that's all about and yeah, kind of how that right. got started. All right. Uh, it all started, uh, you know, Mitch Richards and I and, and a few other folks uh, with uh, Liz Defoe Thomas, uh, who uh, was heading up a group called Liberty on the Rocks in town, uh, got involved in a protest um, speaking out against red light cameras. And we were at a, at a protest down on, on holding up some signs down on Broadway and uh, in, in Providence at the corner there where the red light cameras are located. And uh, toward the end of that, Dan Veets stopped by and he wheeled in and said, hey, you know, they're going to try to put surveillance cameras downtown and I want to start a coalition between the local ACLU, the local Libertarian Party, uh, you crazy kids who are down here in the corner protesting and whoever else wants to get involved. And, and uh, we all showed up to a meeting that was uh, pretty interesting. And, and Dan came up, Dan Veets actually came up with the idea of calling us Keep Columbia Free because the folks who were uh, trying to put the cameras or who were successful in putting the surveillance cameras downtown were called Keep Columbia Safe. So we decided to uh, uh, sort of make a play on that and have a little fun with it, and that was a pretty good idea. And we uh, we first organized just as a a, uh, a I don't know what we were officially called with whatever the state makes you register as, but sure. we were just a one issue group against the surveillance cameras. And with only a couple weeks before that that vote, we went out and raised a little money and 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 uh, raised a little awareness and and lost miserably, but. Uh, uh, Afterwards, uh, they decided to dissolve that organization because the, that issue was done. And uh, Mitch Richards and I uh, had a coffee and said, "You know what? Let's keep this thing going. Let's spread it out. Let's let's make it a, a voice of, of liberty in in Columbia, and let's keep it rolling." And and some of the folks that were involved to begin with uh, uh, stayed on and stayed interested. And and uh, we eventually started speaking out on all kinds of things, from uh, police brutality, uh, especially surrounding the Kinlock Court incident. We uh, had played a large role in defeating the EEZ proposal sure. um, and that kind of thing. And it's just been a kind of a uh, a watchdog uh, against you know out of control city bureaucracy and things like that for the last few years. And uh, you know I. I, I it's kind of interesting that I think that that we've become more of a household name as Keep Columbia Free uh, than the uh, the Keep Columbia Safe folks who sort sure. of uh, uh, I guess were the inspiration for our name, just as a joke and a, kind of a counter uh, to their name. So sure. kind of had a lot of fun with it, and we raised a raised a few eyebrows around town at least. That's good. So now uh, KCF functions mainly as like a, a blog, right? Yeah, we've got a blog, and we meet. Uh, we haven't been meeting very regularly lately. Uh, a few things have, have uh, a few folks have moved out of town, and and uh, but we uh, we meet usually, and we'll start up again meeting every other week over over dinner and in uh, kind of our, our happy hour, which is not a it's not an official meeting. It's just uh, uh, folks getting together and and uh, talking about whatever they want to talk about, whether that's the weather or or uh, you know local issues or sure. Uh, more philosophical liberty ideas or whatever. You know, there's a good. Uh, our Facebook page has grown. We're approaching 400 uh, uh, members of our group, and uh, uh, we've got a, a good core of probably 15 to 20 people who really are active and and uh, and putting in some time to change Columbia. Right on. Well, uh, I kind of wanted to also get into this um, election thing. 
So uh, let me pull up the sample ballot here. But the first thing is on the uh, ballot is this school board issue. Um, I don't really know much about the District of Columbia School Board, and I, obviously I don't have any kids in the school system, so it's like, um, it's not really one that I'm passionate about, but it looks like there's four candidates here, John Sessions, Paul uh, Cushing, Helen Wade, and uh, Joseph Topeke. Is that how you say that? Tepke, maybe? Tepke? <laughs> Tepke sounds a little better. Shows how much I've paid attention to the school board race. Right. Well, and it's like, it's vote for three, so basically you're picking who you don't want on the school board out of those four. Uh, Sessions and Helen Wade have both been on before, yeah. Yeah, they've so been they on have. for a while. You know, uh, as far as a school board member goes, I think John Sessions does a good job. Um, we have some very uh, deep-rooted... Uh, philosophical differences uh, politically mm-hmm. of course but you know i think his heart's in the right place and he and he cares about uh, cares about educating kids and he's uh, he's he's spoken out about uh uh you know uh sensitivity towards uh gay and, and transgender kids and things like that and i think that's a good thing uh sure. you know especially in a public school setting um you know you're in a government school everybody ought to have a fair shot uh you know and i think that's a good thing so you know he's a, he's he's as a school board member a pretty good dude. If he was running for another uh, political office, I probably wouldn't support him. But uh, you know, school board is what it is, uh, and public schools are what they are. I think uh, Helen Wade is she's been pretty level headed. Uh, I kind of like her uh, as a person. I don't know where she stands politically, but a lot of times in the public school setting, that doesn't matter anyway. Right. Yeah. You know, so I think I think she's a pretty good level headed gal. Paul Cushing has run before. Um, and he, he seemed like a good guy to me too, you know. So I don't know. It's a yeah. The uh, like I said before, man. It's like I don't have any eggs in that basket. So you know, I think our schools are hopelessly screwed up in Columbia, especially. Uh, even though they 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 like to uh, tout our wonderful public schools here, you know, we get right. some good ACT scores and things right. like that. But as far as that goes, there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems with the bureaucracy. Sure. There's a lot of problems with the way money is spent. There's a lot of problems with uh, the kind of incestuous relationship with the, uh, uh, you know, development community in town sure, and things sure. like that. And I don't think this vote is going to solve any of that stuff. Right. You know. Well, uh, and a lot of the, I mean, the, there's a couple schools who have been infamous for not even having air conditioning until quite recently. Right. right. My kids went through those schools, and that was, you know, you look across, you know, from behind, uh, is it, is it uh, West Junior there? You look across uh, their their uh, athletic field, and you see the the, the wonderful, beautiful uh, administration building, fully air conditioned, and having additions built on it. And they can't even air condition the school for these kids, you know, uh, two hundred yards away. And it's, you know, and yeah, I understand there's some uh, financial realities of that situation, but the fact is they've raised money. They, you know, Mike Martin did a good job uh, exposing this. You know, they, many times they, they come out with a school bond. Hey, we need to raise money. We need to raise your taxes to pay for air conditioning. And then they don't do it. Right. So it's, uh, you know, it is, you get these big bureaucracies, any big government bureaucracy is just full of crap. Right. And and the schools are no different. They just want to push the, oh yeah, the the, uh, income up. And uh, they'll promise anything to do so. So I guess that kind of brings us into the next item, which is the uh, the bond issue. Now, the last election that we had, last November, we had a similar uh, bond question, but it was for the sewers. Right. Um, and it was the second uh, time in recent history that we've had a sewer bond issue pass for all this money, promising to fix the sewers, and... Um, it's pretty public knowledge that there's still a lot of property owners in Columbia who can't rent basement apartments out because of how frequently they flood. Yeah, or they've invested in a, in, a, in a house that had a dry basement, and because the city has failed to improve infrastructure in the first ward especially, uh, you know, uh, the, now their, their investment in their property, their real property, is, has been ruined because their basements are all flooded every time it rains. And... Uh, 
you know, there was a there was a uh, interesting exchange on the Keep Columbia Free page between Paul Vernon, who owns Top Ten Wines, and, and Carl Scala about, hey man, you know, my basement is flooded right now, and it didn't used to flood. What are you going to do about it? Right. And they're not doing anything about it. And the the thing that these bond issues generally uh, rely upon is just voter ignorance. Sure. People don't read them. They say, oh, money for sewers. Sewers are good. I'll vote for that. And, right. they, you know, people are just too stupid, man. And, and that sounds uh, elitist or whatever, but it's a fact because they didn't read about it. This was, that sewer bond didn't do anything to fix the existing infrastructure problems. And we've seen the results of that with the debate around the, the new student housing complexes sure. downtown. It, it paid to build out sewer infrastructure for new development. So it's, it, you know, and I'm all for development, but my goodness, if you own a home and you're, you know, you're especially uh, first time, a lot of people in the first ward are first time home buyers who take great pride in their house and, right. uh, and or people that just want to live simply and not, they don't care about having a big, uh, uh, you know, expansive, you know, uh, house on the fringes of columbia they you know they want to live simply they want to live downtown they sure. want to they want to you know bike around town yeah and uh you know they're easily preyed upon you mm-hmm. know they're not the people that have uh deep pockets to donate to political campaigns they right. don't have the ear of of certain bureaucrats and people around town they, you know and uh it's i if my uh answer to that and we're kind of getting off the subject but we're back on the sewer bond and the problems downtown which is a big issue right now right but I really think that the first ward homeowners should get together and they should sue the city, sue them for real damages to their property sure. because of their failure to upgrade infrastructure. You know, they'll spend money on the stupidest things and, uh, you know, the blind boon home, okay? Right. Okay, fine. Uh, maybe it's important history, maybe it isn't. Nonetheless, isn't it more important to take care of the basic things we need first, like right. sewers? Uh, you know, we're lacking. Uh, uh, you know, a, a firemen for the first ward too. You know, right. and then there's all kinds of basic things that really should be prioritized better. And yeah, there's all this double talk about how well this money is set aside for this, and we've got to have this sure. fund, and that's all a bunch of bull, man. You know what I mean? That's just the way they set it right. up. To, and and by design it's too confusing for the average person or even the above average person to really get a handle on how they spend that money well i mean for me bond questions have always been like that if you read it i mean i'll read the ballot language now it says shall the school district of columbia boone county missouri issue its general obligation bonds in the amount of 50 million dollars for the purpose of acquiring and developing sites for school buildings and acquiring, constructing, improving, extending, repairing, remodeling, renovating, furnishing, and equipping new and existing school facilities, including, without limitation, constructing a new elementary school and acquiring and developing a site, therefore, improving and and constructing additions to existing buildings, and acquiring and installing technology improvements. If the question is approved, the debt service levy of the school district is estimated to increase by four cents, from ninety-three uh, cents to ninety-seven cents per hundred dollars of assessed valuation of real and personal property. So, for the layman, all of that sounds very good. You know, basically, uh, for the layman, you're saying, "All right, if I pay four more cents on my property tax per hundred dollars, you get fifty million dollars." That sounds like a great deal, you know. Right. And no one really understands. The history, the long history of uh, Columbia yeah. passing these bond issues, and then you know where does that money go? Where's we don't see the results of? I mean, fifty million dollars. You should be able to point to something and be like, "Wow, there's fifty million bucks." But Is it, basically, they're asking for fifty million dollars to do whatever they want with, right? And you know, nobody has a good handle on what what are they doing with the money they have now? How is that budgeted? Shouldn't sure. we work with, you know, oh, four cents more for schools? That's no big deal. Well, really it is. I mean, and they're raising your property taxes, which right. is just, just a penalty for being successful, for, for driving the economy by owning your own home and owning your own vehicles and doing those things. And it's, uh, you know, I, yeah, you know, I think it will pass. Sure. You know what I mean? School bonds always pass sure. in Columbia. Well, it's I think, a, it's but, an easy. But should it? It's I don't hard. Know, uh, you know. And see, yeah. that's what I've been thinking about even with the last election. So, the sewer bond. And by the way, I do want to do this election update because of there's always such a low voter turnout. People, especially 
I mean, I got my start in activism when I was a college kid, and the first time I voted was 08, and I was caught up in the whole, you know, Obama frenzy, where this is, guy is the new FDR, it's the new New Deal, he's going to pull us out of the shadow, you know? <laughs> like, I, I mean, he spoke on campus, and I was there, and it was electric, man. Like, we were all on board, and then it just kind of never materialized. And so I understand that kind of frenzy that comes out every four years with the election, but the the right to vote comes up a lot more often and on these local off off cycle elections you have such a, i mean your vote is so much more important you know people are so apathetic and they don't really care but if you get enough people together around a certain cause you can really tip the vote uh versus the presidential election you're you're pissing and, in the ocean basically yeah and things that really affect you you know, uh, sure. things that really make a difference in your life are handled at the local level. And although things that happen at the federal level, like, you know, invading how many umpteen countries around the world and all kinds of other bullshit they do, right. is, uh, uh, you know, obviously affects us. But the fact is, you don't have any uh, access to that system. You don't have any say. Your vote matters very little. Right. And what we've seen is is there is no difference between Obama and Bush, who preceded him, or anybody who's been president in the last probably thirty to forty years, sure. you've seen no difference. It's just uh, it's a ruling class, and uh, so yeah. And it's amazing that people you know come out for those elections. Sure. Like I'm really making a difference. Oh, I man. voted. I can't tell you then, how many people told me that if I didn't go out and vote for Obama, I was fucked. And if I didn't go out and vote for Romney, we were all fucked. Like, people told me both of those things yeah. before the election. And clearly it doesn't, it and really guess doesn't what? matter. It doesn't it's like, matter. You're fucked. It's like flipping <laughs> a penny and then losing yeah. it behind the couch and being like, well, fuck it. I mean, it, yeah. it, that's about the significance level. Yeah, you're almost guilty by association. I really think there should be a a, 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 a spot on the ballot for none of the above. Sure. You know, just to definitely. say, hey, I'm not apathetic. I'll get off my butt and go in and I'm, I'll go vote and I'll vote for none of you pricks. Right. You know what I mean? And and just to show that, hey, I was here, you know, and, and if the none of the above wins, I think nobody wins and we just don't have a president and we'd all be better off, you know. There you go. But, <laughs> let's get rid of the federal government altogether. That'll be chaos. Oh, and Our president who built roads. <laughs> Black Hawk down. Look out. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, in 2012, I basically did pick none of the above because I voted for Gary Johnson, you know. Yeah. Which is like... You know, people call it throwing your vote away, but what else do you do? Yeah. You voted for either one of those other dudes, you do the same thing. You always throw your vote away. You don't really have a vote. In the, yeah. If you're not voting your conscience and in, in, in doing that, right. you are part of the problem. Definitely. Yeah, you are to blame. Do you think that uh, we'll ever really chip away at that fundamental hive mind of people wanting to pick Coke or Pepsi because the... They so firmly believe that there's nothing else, you know? Or they're afraid of, you know, people vote against things. That's that's it. You know, oh, if I vote sure. for Gary Johnson, uh, then Mitt Romney wa- might win. And, right. the, and the libertarian-leaning right. Republicans were like, well, if I vote for Gary Johnson, then Barack Obama might win. Well, guess what? You're screwed either way, right. you know? Right. And, yeah, I do. I think, the, I think the young folks are waking up to this. Now, hopefully, uh, you know... I think the aim of the of the big political parties is always to co-opt those people somehow. But let's pull them back in. Let's make them Republicans or make them Democrats. Let's continue that sure. that duality of political thought, which is really just a, a you know imaginary divide between the two parties. And let's pull people into that. Let's divide and conquer and continue to to run the show and do what we want, you know, and mm-hmm. screw everybody. And I, I, you know, I don't know. You know, they did that pretty well. With the Tea Party, for instance, the Tea sure. Party was originally a pretty anti-tax, pro-Ron Paul, uh, a pretty cool thing when it first started. Right. And then you see these idiots like Glenn Beck and Sarah Palin and mm-hmm. Herman Cain and these just really, really Michelle disgusting, Biden. divisive people. Sure. 
taking that that movement over, and all of a sudden you've got old gray-haired women waving Bibles and complaining about taxation. Okay, complaining about taxation, that's cool, but it becomes, and so the Republican Party did a very good job, I think, of co-opting that sure, movement. just hijacking the And yeah, party. we get some, some more libertarian-leaning folks in the Republican Party, but really it's it's a joke. And, right. You know, the Democrats did a very good job. Uh, with the uh, uh, Occupy Wall Street movement yep. of pulling them in, and all of a sudden you see big labor there talking, and sure. you see, you know, you see them. Oh, okay, the, the Democrats. You're you guys are all Democrats, right? And really, what you found, I mean, you know, I went to the uh, as a as a Ron Paul delegate to the Republican uh, state convention and sat next to one of our our local Occupy Wall Street or Occupy Como guys who was there just to shake things up and say, hey, Ron Paul, I'd vote for Ron Paul, you know? Sure. So, you know, what you find, I think, and it's it's smart on the part of these major parties to try to pull these fringe groups in under their wing and and not let them actually develop some meaningful third-party, you know, a meaningful third-party voice in the system because that... You know, they can't have that, man. Right. You know, so uh, I think they need to be on guard for that. But I think we've got, you know, with the advent of social media, especially, you know, social networking on on the Internet, uh, young people are more educated now, have have access to more information at their fingertips. And I I think it's sadly it's going to take just another generation sort of dying off to 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 really see some change, because we know Regardless of their uh, ideology, young people don't vote, man. They don't turn right. out. The average exactly. age of the voter, even the Obama election, was like 65. Sure. That's the average age in a college town, yeah. you know, here in Columbia. And uh, so, you know, that 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 uh, 60 to 80-year-old set is, is running the country when it comes to uh, especially national elections or really any election. So... Uh one petition that I've seen going around being circulated and that I've signed and supported was uh, to extend the election cycle, the election deadline, basically. Have you seen that uh, petition going around? Is it the early voting or is it the early, early voting yeah. kind of thing? It's like, uh, I'm trying to kind of Google and see what it says, but basically how it's explained to me is that instead of having a day where you have to vote that day, you'd have like a few weeks to get in and vote. You yeah. know? And there would be an election season rather than election day. Do you think that that is something that would increase turner vo- uh, voter turnout and kind of increase the fairness of it all? I do, and I think that's a great idea. I think there ought to be online voting. I mean, you know, they, people sure. talk about the security of that, but, you know, that's that's ridiculous. It's just people scared of the Internet. Right. Some people are scared if you take their picture, you're going to steal their soul or well, something it's, ridiculous. But I think that's really silly because we do, you know, banking online. We do uh, investor trading online. We do all of these things online. A half of your right. life half your life at least is online even if you don't use the internet and yet people are the vote is one thing that they're afraid of tampering with but they'll put you know their millions online in a bank account and bank and pay their bills online right yeah i think that's a that's a real reasonable thing to do and at least extending maybe a 24-hour voting period where people that work third shift and people you know uh, let's let's let people vote in the middle of the night, but sure. expand, expanding it for two weeks to let people get out and and do that. I mean, I think uh, generally a lot of what happens and what our ruling class, I call them, you know, uh, uh, push for is is limited voting. They, you know, the voter turnout is deplorable. I mean, how many people voted to pass that sewer sewer bond issue? Fifty five hundred, less than six thousand people in a town right. of a hundred thousand. Yeah, voted for that. Votes. You know. There's total registered was uh, seventy thousand, and about five five point six thousand turned out. Yeah, that's nuts. So that's eight percent. Eight percent of the voters who are registered. Now there's way more people than that who could register because that's all of Boone County. Right. These numbers. Yeah. That's not. Uh, you know, that's not. And then in the city of Columbia for that sewer, I guess that is just in city. It looks like. Because it says Prop 1 for city. Yeah, I think the city, that was just a city. So, just in the city limits, there's there's only 70,000 people registered to vote. And you figure in a town, what are we, 100,000 or more, what's the 110 maybe? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, a lot of people aren't registered. A lot of people aren't old enough to vote, but they're still counted in that population. So, so that's a pretty good rate of registration. Well, and then a lot of the people are going through one of the colleges. So, there's, you know, there's always a student group that 
asks you to register to vote, you know, mm-hmm. or um, like right when you're graduating high school, part of it is register to vote, you know. So the system is really good at uh, getting you registered to vote. I'm pretty sure they ask you at the DMV. Even. Yeah. They ask you, you know, when you're getting your driver's license, hey, you registered to vote, you want to register to vote, which um, that's good. But then once you're registered, what are you doing with that? You know, you're not even exercising that right. You know, one of the few rights that we have left that you have a voice and you have a, um, you know, they ask your opinion and you're not even taking yeah. that, you know. But young people are disillusioned, man, and black people are disillusioned. I mean, the fact is, if you look at the demographics of who votes, black people don't vote, man. You know, I, I, I knew uh, uh, Curtis Soule, uh, a dude that's uh, a local dude here in the First Ward, who uh, I believe it was his wife, I believe he told me uh, during a First Ward uh, council election, was working at Oak Towers, right in the, you know, the heart of the black neighborhood, and could count in like the three or four hours she worked the polls, could count on one hand the number of black people that showed up to vote. Right. You know, and and, uh, and I don't think that's, that's necessarily some sort of ignorance or apathy. It is just people being disillusioned with the system, man. You know, they're like, my vote doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think the youth sees that too, you know. It just students don't vote. As many of them as are registered in the city of Columbia uh, they just don't turn out to vote. I mean, sure. the fact is, if you are running a campaign in the city of Columbia, don't waste your time campaigning yep. to the students, right? Because you know they'll be they'll show up to hear you speak, but they won't show up to vote. Well, they'll show up to hear you speak if you have like free pizza slices or. Something. Oh right, right, yeah. <laughs> I think that it's really funny because we talked about how your vote, you know, really doesn't matter in the national sense, and I think it's funny that dichotomy where people are like. People talk about their vote doesn't count, they don't care, but their exception is the are those national every four year elections when yeah. you vote for the president where like that's perceived as where if you vote, that's when you vote. It's like it's like the people who go to church on Easter and Christmas and that's it, you know? It's like you're voting just every four years. When really the more important ones might be the those off-cycle elections where the voter turnout is so little because you have a bigger percentage of the pool. You, and you can really, yeah, you stand a chance to really swing it, right? Sure. You know, your vote actually does matter more in those things. And, uh, you know, if you vote for a major party political, you know, candidate, especially for president, you're basically just voting to kill more brown people, you know. Right. You get blood on your hands if you vote for those guys. So, uh, another thing I want to talk about that's kind of interesting, tomorrow night city council votes on an initiative proposed by Barbara Hoppy that would uh, reduce penalties for cultivation of marijuana in, uh, in the city of Columbia. And I'm trying to find the language of that, but um, I know that Show Me Cannabis is all in on that, and you know, every legalization group in the state, yeah. and even nationally. I, gotta I know Dan Veach has lobbied heavily for that with Barbara. So, and he's done a good job of it. And so that's not something that we really expect to pass, though, yeah. Right. You're talking about the local... Uh, right, that would just be Columbia uh, cultivation. And yeah, to you find know, that. these things, I think, really raise awareness uh, to the to the issue. But ultimately, I don't know, you know, the, the only answer, the only real answer to really uh, having safe communities, safe kids, safe schools, and all of that is full legalization sure. of everything. Decriminalization is cool, but it also emboldens the black market, you right, know, and, right. and so you have, you know, more people making money off the books, having to protect that money without the help of the police, right. you know. I mean, if you're growing plants in your house, and let's say you're doing that under a decriminalization deal where you have very little penalty for doing it, sure. uh, and someone kicks in your door and steals your weed... Uh, the pol- you can't call the police, right, you, have you no know. Recourse. So, so uh, or what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and and if you've got enough weed and it's enough uh, uh, investment for you to protect, well, you know, you're probably going to arm yourself and, and take matters into your own hands. And we see a little bit of that, you know, I think. And uh, so, uh, but it's it's very it's a it, it's a problem right. with legalization that incrementally. We're probably going to go through some tough stuff before we actually have something that works, sure. you know. And and decrim is part of that, you know. Uh, you know, we need to move that direction, but right. Well, it almost seems like a, and you know, I've been involved with like legalization movements for quite some time. That's how I first got into activism, and it, I've always thought that the the decriminalization baby steps were uh, 
almost designed to fail, you know, they're just, Mm -hmm. we can decriminalize and then we can point out, oh, look, it got worse. And, you know, it it will get worse because of exactly what you're saying. Like, um, people perceive that they're not going to get in trouble or if they do, it's going to be a slap on the wrist. Uh, The proposal that we're talking about specifically um, sets a maximum penalty of $250 for growing up to six plants. So it's really funny, like, if passed, this ordinance would basically say, you can grow up to six plants, but it's still illegal. So right, right. It's like... It's almost like you got to pay your $250, you know... Right, uh, it's kind of like... Why don't you just make it a license and make it legal, you know what I mean? It's almost like saying, yeah, you can park downtown and not feed your meter, but it, you have to pay $10. Right, you know? right. It's like... It's, why why wouldn't you just say but the problem, this is what yeah. you can do and this is what you can't do? Um, yeah, the, and the problem with that is too. I mean, it's not it's not really that simple because what happens is once you've been busted and you've paid your two hundred and fifty dollars, if you continue to grow, number one, they're probably looking at you. Number two, right? Uh, the next penalty is 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 harsher, I'm sure. And then once you've been busted three times, you're probably looking at jail, right? Right. So. It, it, you know, it's a step in the right direction, but still sure. it's not meaningful change, man. Now, you know? on the other hand, just to kind of play adv- devil's advocate here, uh, the current state law, uh, growing any amount of marijuana is a felony offense, and the minimum term for that is five years, and a maximum is life. So you can get life in prison for the first time for growing. So... Um, in, yeah, when you're you, you're when better you, off molesting look, kids, right? Yeah, it's fucked. It's completely fucked. <laughs> it's you know? ridiculous. It's completely fucked. And, uh, you know, the, if you look at it in that sense, it is a it is a huge step away from that in, you know, going from possible life in prison for a felony to a maximum penalty of $250. And the city uh, ordinance would also tell cops to process you through municipal court instead of sending you to the state court. So, uh, I guess in that sense, you know, if you're already growing hella pot or whatever, you know, that's that's a better step. But really, no one is gonna start growing because of this. You know, that would be right. that would be a huge mistake. And um, basically, what this is doing is just kind of buffering the penalties that are already in place. I mean, the next problem you have though is then you have well, what'll happen is if you've got a cop that thinks. You know, is it doesn't think it's right to process you under this? What they do is they figure, hey, I got a guy who's growing in here. Let's call Dwayne Carey and have him send in right. the county to bust him, right? Or the Highway Patrol, or one of our federally deputized officers sure. to process them under federal law. Well, shit, even and, MUPD can. Yeah, and you know, MUPD, and throw you know, and board. the advantage for these folks of using these federally deputized officers is then they can take all your stuff, right? right? They can process you uh, under federal forfeiture laws and take your stuff and, and profit from that. The local police can profit from that. So, you know, there's a there's a lot of things to be considered, you know. I think it's good that people are talking about it. Sure. You know? Yeah, it is great to get, you know, the headline and people talking even across the nation. Um Really, after we've seen with you know Colorado and Washington legalizing last cycle, uh, I really think it's going to just spread out. You know, yeah. it's going to. I mean, the the tides are coming in in such a way that it's going to be hard for anyone to really stop that. Yeah. Once people, I mean, the the taxes that they raised already in Colorado are just too big right. to say no to for all of these cash strapped state governments. Um. It's just a, it's it's really a no brainer in my mind. Um, so I'm I'm really hoping that uh, in the in uh, 2014 or 2016 that we can legalize here in Missouri. Um, I think we should, and the the legalization of industrial hemp is a big deal too. Man. For sure, you know, especially in this part. I of I mean, the country. it's it's one thing to to let people do put in their bodies or let adults put in their bodies what they want to put in their bodies, but to uh, in industrial hemp is a big deal, man. And uh, could really, really change things for our farmers who accept all sorts of welfare. Let's get real. You know, the, the farmers right. are one of the biggest recipients of federal aid for sure. uh, on the books, you know. And, Crazy and subsidies and creating all Creating a, a good uh, uh, product for them, easy to grow, uh, that has all kinds of uses, uh, both, uh, you know, for, you know, in the... Uh, uh, 
you can eat it. You can make things out of it. You can do all kinds of stuff. And, right. And uh, and there's a lot of politics around that, you know. Well, and now we have a lot of quality fair trade and organic products. You know, that's like a growing market for people who are uh, health conscious or earth conscious, climate conscious, all that kind of thing. Where uh, and sustainability conscious, where they want to purchase hemp because it's so. It's so much more renewable than, say, purchasing oh, yeah. wood products or anything or petroleum products. But all of that right now has to be imported. And, right. uh, you know, China is the number one producer of, of hemp. And then, you know, for the uh, Canada is really close, too. Yeah, we so. give a lot of money to Canada and a lot of money to China. I mean, the folks that are, that are you know, the, you hear that a lot. Go back to the Tea Party and a lot of these folks are, oh, we need to quit supporting these communists. And well, right. well that's what you're doing right. by leaving hemp uh, illegal. Is right. we're, we're, we're sending money out of the country. For these products, you know, and and uh, yeah, you know, and you know, an acre of hemp produces more oxygen than an acre of rainforest, right. and, and you don't have to douse your soil with all kinds of chemicals and garbage to get it to grow. I mean, it's uh, right. Uh, you know, imagine you know, farmers able to uh, to rotate crops through you know, let's rotate hemp and beans and corn, you sure. know, and and uh, uh, replenish the soil. You know, there's all kinds of advantages to that, and. Uh, that, uh, and we're getting left behind, man. The hemp thing to me is just sort of, uh, that's one of the more baffling ones, you know, because that's something that should be way over. Um, I mean, even uh, a few weeks ago, Claire McCaskill, back on the 18th, was here doing a, a town hall. And uh, she did a town hall meeting up at City Hall. And one of the questions was about uh, hemp and uh, legalization right, right. of cannabis in general. And... You know, she's kind of played it safe and stayed away from the weed question, but she was all in on hemp, you know, and uh, she's all in on trying to get more options for our farmers and for our agricultural, because that's a big chunk of our economy. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It's just silly. It's just silly not to be able to grow hemp. It doesn't even get you high. It's not a drug. It's it, the the reason that it is illegal is because it looks like pot, and so. You know, originally they were concerned that farmers growing hemp would just sneak a few weed plants in there and you wouldn't be able to find them as easy. Mm -hmm. It's camouflage, you know. And uh, so from a helicopter, it all looks like pot, you know. And that was their concern originally, but... The, uh, you know, the other thing, too, I mean, from... I'm a I'm weird about food, you know, and I, sure. you know, I don't like to eat corn and corn syrup and, and, and especially not soy. It mimics estrogen and... And not to mention that all of our corn and soy that's not grown organically is doused with Roundup, you know. Right. And that's probably one of the, you know, I mean, Monsanto's, if, if farmers can grow uh, industrial hemp without having to douse it with some sort of nasty chemical from Monsanto, you know, Monsanto's going to lose some money, right? Right. So, I mean, they're a huge lobby in Missouri. Definitely. Uh, so, uh, you know, all of those things, uh, you know, I mean, we're actually... Although the corn prices are way up right now because of all sorts of reasons, and uh, you know, and farmers are, are actually making a lot of money on corn right now, and have been for the last three or four years, uh, you know, having this uh, a, a good, clean, sustainable uh, product uh, is appealing to me. You know, get rid of this Roundup, these Roundup Ready soybeans everybody's growing to put in everything under the sun. Yeah, for sure. I just think it's really funny the whole the Monsanto presence here on campus even it doesn't really seem to affect student activists you know i mean the occupy como movement that was like seven to ten townies who were really dedicated to that and they kind of camped out from front of city hall but there was no presence on campus i mean you know you have speaker's circle where you have one of the top free speech areas in the entire state at the top of the freest you know, protest without a permit kind of a place that you have in the whole state. And what is that used for? It's used for Brother Jed and other preachers to right, just sit and right. preach at kids yeah. and kids Accordion to smoke cigarettes and, whatever, and yelling shit back at them. It's just a, it's a complete waste of um, a space for free speech. And, uh, you know, my thought, and I wasn't even a student anymore at the time when the Occupy thing kind of rolled through, but that Monsanto Auditorium is on campus. Yeah. There's a big ass, the big ass auditorium in. Might as well just be Satan Auditorium, in, man. <laughs> and it's in the yeah. Kit Bond Life Sciences Center. You know? Right. So right. it's like that is where you occupy. You know, that is where you go in, sit down, yeah. don't leave, 
change the name, change the fucking name, you know? We don't yeah. want Monsanto Auditorium. We reject that. And like, We're a huge agricultural school that's owned Missouri by Monsanto, you know? Whatever, yeah. You know? Tiger Auditorium, fuck it. But like, money talks, man. It really know? does, it really does. And, uh, you know, the students have just had such a watered-down education. I mean, uh, the you know... The little awareness I have of what's going on in the world, I had to do all that my own, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I, I am no closer to understanding the way shit works, economics and politics. But I have a better understanding than if I would have just kept with only what school taught me, you know. It's right, like, right. Well, you gotta, you gotta, you know, remember that a lot of these professors that are doing work and doing research, it's all funded through grant money, and a lot of that grant money is controlled by Monsanto either directly or through their ties with the feds, you know. I mean, the the the, the FDA and, the and, you know, all of these, uh, the agricultural departments and the, and the federal government have a revolving door from ADM and, and, and Monsanto and these other giant food conglomerates. And uh, it's really kind of frightening, you know, when you get down to a real, uh, uh, you know, just the idea that, he who controls the food, you know, you control the food and the water, you control the people, you know what I mean? Right. And, and uh, it's it's really frightening when you when you realize that 95% of the food you buy in the store, even stuff that's so-called healthy food, is is owned by these three companies. For sure. You know, well, Cargill and, and, you know, the like. You look at the CEO of Nestle wanting to say that, you know, water should be a priced commodity on the market, just like right. oil and gas and all this shit, you know? And yeah. Then, how alarming is it when, uh, you know, there's already places in the world where you, it's illegal to collect rainwater, you know? Right. The rain from the fucking sky, it's like, We're, where, yeah. are, what What are you born with the right to have, you know? What, there's, there's an old documentary called Flow, and if you get a chance to watch that, I would recommend it, because, man, what we're coming, you know, I mean, we're, we're fighting wars all over the country, all over the world, and all over the globe for oil and for other minerals like lithium. I mean, that's a big deal in, in, in Afghanistan because all of our cell phones have lithium batteries in them, right? Right. So, uh, and every battery in the world is right now pretty much a lithium battery, and there's a lot of lithium in the ground there and other, other chemicals, but other uh, uh, um, things we need to make, you know, electronic products. But, uh, uh, you know, when we start fighting over water, man, you think oil is a big deal. You right. Know? I mean, you know, conceivably you can live without a car, right? A lot right. of people do that. Right. Yeah, yes, we need oil for our plastics and for our, you know, public transportation and all of that stuff, right? So you're not going to get away from it. But when you start talking about water, something you can't live without for more than three or four days or whatever, you right. know what I mean? Uh, or you die. Right. You're talking about fundamental rights yeah, yeah life life liberty and happiness when right. we start talking about water which is essentially a transient resource right it right. comes down and it runs through your property and off your property or it runs through an aquifer under the ground or down a river or you know sure how can you uh, make that a commodity a, a really transient resource and that strikes at the heart of libertarianism and you know property rights well you can't really own water and the government does that man if you look at these Nestle and, and, and Coca-Cola and these, and these big companies that, that, that sell all the bottle, bottled water in the world, they'll get some right from the DNR, Department of Natural Resources from a state, and they'll, they'll lease them some land for you know pennies on the dollar even you know that'd be like 50 cents a year for the next 50 years they'll put a plant in there they'll dig they'll, they'll drill down deep they'll pump out all the water all the surrounding ponds and wells will go dry on private property because they're pumping out all this water and they run trucks in and out of there 24 7 so you can go to the store and buy your bottled water i got one in my hand right now right for <laughs> you sure. know yep. but uh it's a uh, it's a real scary deal, man, and and you get to these third world countries where a lot of times these folks that have you know had one well where people from several communities come around and get their water, you right. know, and those those things are going dry or that you know they'll come in and put a lock on them because somebody wants to pump the water out for the more affluent areas, man. It's a it's a really scary deal for sure. You know? So let's see. I want to get back to uh, some local stuff before we close up, um, and. One of the more recent things I saw on the blog was uh, the Save Rock Quarry Road post. Can you tell me a little more about that? Because, like, Rock Quarry is sort of, um, ever since I moved here, see, I'm from Kearney, Missouri, which is about half hour north of Kansas City. And it's like, I like to call it the southern edge of nowhere because mm -hmm. it's not, I don't live in the middle of nowhere. It's like a half suburb, half rural kind of town, you know? Right, right. It's like that perfect blend. It's the first town driving north of Kansas City on 35 where... 
uh, where it's not technically a suburb, you go through unincorporated. Right, there's some farm ground between you and the city. Right. Yeah. But there's still, you know, McMansions and there's still, right, right, uh, right. you know, like we didn't have a Walmart, but we had two grocery stores, you know, yeah. that kind of a town. And so um, coming from there and then moving here to Columbia, Rock Quarry Road is kind of like, I can be in the city limits and still feel like I'm back home, you know? That's like the windy road, and in the fall, it's just fucking beautiful. It's like yeah. a rainbow of color. So um, what's up with the well, threat to Rock Quarry? you know, I, I was talking to some folks who own some property on Rock Quarry. They have a home there off of Rock Quarry Road, and, and they had noticed that the uh, the city had come through and started marking the area uh, for and some, some large trees for removal and... and uh, they inquired with Public Works and Mr. Glasscock and said, what's going on? And he said, hey, we're going to widen that road. It's too dangerous. There's too much traffic now. Sure. And what's happened is they've, they've thrown up a bunch of student housing out on the south side of town. Right. And a lot of people are using that road, this beautiful road. And right. a lot of people, there are a lot of wrecks, you know, a lot of drunk drivers, a lot of idiot college kids who go downtown to get drunk and then they sneak down Dark Rock Quarry Road trying yep. to get home and they wreck and they hit a tree or they hit a fence or something. And it, uh, you know, and so the city's answer is, well, we got to widen that, you know, sure, and, sure. and uh, we've got to take care of these drunk drivers, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's just ridiculous uh, to me that, that one, you're going to harm people's property value who owns, there's some very nice homes who, that there's three homes up there that were designed by uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's student. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was, he was here and he, he designed some homes here at the university. He was a student of Frank Lloyd Wright, and, and uh, you're going to ruin their property value. Right. Uh, you're going to ruin this scenic drive, one of the last scenic drives in the city of Columbia. Yep. And my answer, just, you know, put up some guardrails, put up a sign, drive at your own risk, and, you know. Right. If you're gonna, you know, there's plenty of large thoroughfares, whether that's uh, uh, Old 63, whether that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, you Stadium. Stadium, too. Or uh, Providence. I mean, Providence will t- uh, take you around there. You know, there's right. plenty of, of, of well-lit, wide thoroughfares to get south of town. Right. You know, if you take this road, you ought to take it at your own risk. But, you know, we've gotta, the government's got to save us from ourselves and spend a lot of money doing it. Right. Today it is. You know, going to destroy a scenic drive and spend a bunch of money and mess up a bunch of people's property value and... Uh, all in the name of these, you know, cheap student housing complexes they threw up without any forethought, you know. Right. So. And you uh, speaking of cheap student complexes, they just now approved two more development projects, quite recently, um, and that was kind of a little skeevy because the way they did it was they, um, you know, they they're they're required to have three meetings of public hearing before approving these sorts of measures, right? Yeah. And so they scheduled, instead of having three months of deliberation and doing it at three council meetings, which is, you know, the intent of the law is to uh, have a lot, plenty of discussion time, they scheduled two special meetings uh, during, you know, kind of a lunch during hour During the work thing. day, man, they rushed it through. They, they went on this, this huge push that, oh... Mike Mathis comes out, if we don't have this TIF, if we don't have uh, this special taxing district, will this the infrastructure will not be improved. Right. We can't have that. The downtown development will stop if you don't pass this TIF. Right. Uh, the TIF failed. Right. Uh, and, and then they come out with, oh, wait a minute, we got Plan B. Hell, we can still build this stuff. So sure. it was an all-out lie. It, right. was, it was absolute, you know. It's just alarmist to try and. Oh yeah, man! Our bureaucrats in this town are out of control, and our council has no control over them. Man, these are you know we elect our city officials to represent us and run the city and 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 be in charge of these bureaucrats, which who are essentially our employees as Mm -hmm. citizens of Columbia. And man, they're doing whatever they want to do all day long. It's it's disgusting. It's it's frightening, you know. And uh, and now they. Uh, approve these huge buildings that are going to have tons of flushing toilets, and now they and they say that our infrastructure downtown won't support it. I'm all for development, man. You know, I'm all for it. Right. Uh, I'm all for the free market and letting people make some money on their property. But, but uh, there's got to be an answer to this besides this crazy obfuscation from the city. And now there's a there's a uh, uh, a petition out to repeal that ordinance that 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 allowed these developments to go through and I think that's a good thing. I mean all for if you got a 
if you've got a, a petition out there that's going to step back an ordinance or a law, I'm all for it. We should have fewer laws anyway, you know. But. Right. So. What you got for me, man? Uh, is there any other local issues that you can think of? Um, no, man. I think, you know, that's we kinda, a, we kinda a did lot of stuff, man. It'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, that first world race is interesting. I think Jenny Chadwick's going to walk away with it. and We've got a lot of uh, philosophical differences. I mean, she's super liberal, and I'm not. But uh, but I think she's a, she's an honest person who seems to uh, you know she'll listen to people, man. Sure. You know, so uh, and I don't think anybody else in that race stands a chance. Tyree probably could have if he could campaign, but his religious stuff keeps him from doing that. Which, right. You know, man, uh, don't run if you can't campaign. Yeah, can't yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate. I'm all for religious freedom, man. Yeah, but. I saw right when Tyree. Uh, had signed up and entered the race I I was excited you know because I've always liked Tyree's stuff and he has a positive message and he has a real connection obviously to the the, the black community in the first ward he's very active and uh, you know all we all know Tyree you know he's all yeah. he's a face downtown and he's a face in the community and uh, he's a good dude a, he represents yeah. he represents a pop segment of the population that is very big but completely unrepresented on the city council and so I was very excited until I found out that he, he can't even campaign, uh, yeah. campaign at all due to yeah. his religion. And, you know, it's been tough for the student press to even, you know, write about his uh, his campaign because there is no you can't even talk to him. Yeah, he's, just, yeah. he's just a name on the ballot. So um, Yeah, it's interesting, man. You got to write in and you got... Oh, damn. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I did. Go. I got a postcard about the uh, writing guy. I don't know where I said it. Here it is. John Clark, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a political gadfly or whatever, you know. And, sure, and, sure. Uh, yeah, it'll Fighting be for First Ward residents for 20 years. Yeah, he has he's been. A, he's sure. a write-in, so, you know. A lot of people are just not going to make that effort to write to write the name in. Yeah, so, um, so you're projecting Chadwick. Huh? Oh, yeah, man. I bet she gets 65% or better. Right on. Yeah. Well, I think that's... Uh, kind of wraps up what I wanted to talk about today um, I'd like to encourage everybody who's listening to this to get out and vote your voice does matter and it matters even more on these uh, off cycle elections and you know the there's the bond issue that's the big deal but you know mainly just getting in the habit of getting informed and you know reading the mail that the Boone County clerk sends you and you know getting out there and knowing what the issues are so that when big things do come up, you know, you know, you can't just say, read the story afterward and be like, oh, I didn't even get to vote, you know? Yeah, and it doesn't take that long to get informed, man. You got the internet, you know. Right. Uh, plug in and, and figure out what's going on and speak out. You For know? sure. Uh, and, and like you said earlier, you can really make a difference locally. Um, you, you know, you talk about federal stuff. How many people, you know, you can't go talk to Barack Obama. You might be able to go talk to Claire McCaskill. Uh, if you're lucky, right, and it won't matter. She doesn't give a damn what you say, right. Uh, but uh, when it comes to your local council people and uh, local, uh, lo- you know, uh, whether they're on the city council, on the Boone County Commission, whatever, you can find those guys. You can have coffee with them. You can call them up. They'll answer. You know, uh, for sure. You can bug them. Talk to them. For They'll sure. Listen to you. You know. At least you have access, or you can show up and protest. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You, they can't. They can't get away from you. Right. You know? So for sure, get involved. So uh, people can find uh, the Keep Columbia Free blog at keepcolumbiafree.com. Keepcolumbiafree.com, yeah. Check us out there. And then on Twitter? Uh, um, oh, it's our Twitter. I think we're just uh, Keep Columbia Free on Twitter. or yeah, On Facebook is where you see most of the acts. And we've okay. got a like page, and we've also got a group that really has a lot of of great discussions and everybody's welcome there you know uh we uh, uh some council members comment there especially carl scala has been on there for many long discussions so sure. you just google keep columbia free or, or search us on facebook and and come over and, and join the discussion uh you know you might you might learn something and we might learn something from you so right on well thanks for listening everyone uh you can find this episode and all episodes at uh bullafterbull.com just click on the episodes tab to get the newest episode and uh, thanks for listening may your bulls burn ever brighter